Hello and welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, Adam Tarno. Joined as always by my co-host, John McGee. John, how we doing? Hey, Adam. Going to introduce our guest uh, today. I don't think you know this, but did you know I, I met our guest when I was 18 years old? Have you heard this story? No, I haven't. Yeah, so uh, we go to work at a camp. We just graduated high school, and we're going to be there 28 days. 28 days. Our guest brings a stack of books, and I kid you not, two to three feet tall. A camp. To camp. Like, to camp. <laughs> to camp. And so— uh, What kind he, of books? Everything under the sun. Deep theology books on topics I couldn't— I couldn't even pronounce the the titles, much less understand anything we're talking about. Spiritual formation books, how to share your faith. Um, so all that to say, this guy's been walking with Jesus for a long time. is a, a really, really smart, really wise, uh, leads our Watermark Institute, and it's our friend uh, Blake Holmes. So Blake, thanks for being with us today, buddy. I appreciate that, John. And uh, just fact check, I just want to share with you. I think he says two to three feet tall. I think it was four feet tall. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Did you read any of them that summer? Of course not. I didn't read them, but you know, it just made me look smart and what? we could tell stories about it. It was very it. impressive. Yes. Yeah. It looks impressive. And that was the whole it point, worked. right? It worked. Yeah. All right. Well, Blake is, one of, is a repeat guest. One of the few. I mean, I think we've had Todd and JP a few times, but I think any other than that, Blake is the first one that'll be a repeat guest. Right. And Blake holds a distinction, John. Why don't you let our listeners Blake know? Blake holds a distinction for the most downloaded episode. That's right. Like by far. Hmm. By far. So if you haven't downloaded that episode, it was Training the Next Generation. He talked all about the Institute. Another interesting anecdote to that is the fact that, John, you were not on that episode. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever. Connect the dots, John. Yeah. Let's jump into it. All right. Well, today we're going to talk about mistakes that young leaders make. And Blake uh, hangs out with young leaders all the time, leading the Institute. He has a lot to say about all this. So, Blake, do you, this list that we're going to go through, we're going to go through five things. I'm sure it's a much longer list, but you've picked out five. What, why don't you just give us a little background on how you came up with this list and, and where this came from? Yeah, it's a great question. I came up with this list really through observation and personal experience, observing um, other guys who were seeking to serve in vocational ministry, and then also every one of these mistakes I've made myself. And so both at a young age and contend to make even even today. But um, really, this has just kind of been a list I've kept for a while and thought about as I've, I've observed folks serving in churches. Cool. Yeah. Hey, um, Blake, just for those who don't know what the Watermark Institute is and what it is that you're doing, could you just give a bit of a context because I think it's very germane to the things you're going to talk about? Yeah, the Institute is a training program for people who are interested in serving within a local church. So we combine Bible study, discipleship, and leadership all at the same time and uh, with the goal that they're going to go from here and serve in various leadership capacities. Yeah, so they have several content pieces with you, uh, interaction with other leaders, and then also uh, vocational ministry experience. And that's kind of been um, really what you've been focused on these last several years. So when you're talking about mistakes young leaders uh, make, you've had a pretty good vantage point and a lot, a lot of data uh, to sift through and learn from. So it's going to be going to be a great episode. All right, the first one, Blake, is this, is that young leaders will confuse knowledge with maturity. What do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, this ties in well, actually, all jokes aside with what John said and teasing me about the books I, I brought to our camp. Uh, I, I was that, that young leader in confusing knowledge with maturity. I just thought the more I learned, the more mature I would be. Now, listen, it's important. God wants us to know his Bible and understand theology. Those are really important things. But... Uh, knowledge is not the same thing as maturity. So maturity happens as a result of um, 
a, a lifetime of obedience and responding to that knowledge. And so the goal is not to become a smarter sinner, right? Uh, the goal is to fall more in love with God and to love other people. But um, we all know of people that I think um, who maybe know their Bible really well. They know theology. They're just not the guys you want to be around because they're not very mature and they're not responding to the knowledge that they have. And so I think sometimes what happens, young leaders see a really impressive teacher. They become really excited about what they hear somebody um, teaching on a Sunday or learning their Bibles. And so they think, oh, that's what I need to do. I need to know my Bible like that. And they think that's the end goal. Yes, I want them to know their Bible. And I hope that most people have a hunger and desire to want to learn the word, but that's not the end goal. That's the means. The the goal is to fall more in love with Jesus and be like him and to love other people. So think of the the young seminary grad who's, who's coming out of seminary, right? Think about me and would John, you and I are at camp. I'm just thinking, hey, I'm going to add value the more I know. And um, Larry Osborne in his book, Accidental Pharisee, he talks just about this very thing. And I think it's true. You can easily become the accidental Pharisee where you, you start to equate knowledge with maturity. And, um, and that, that's, a, that's a real easy mistake to make. Which I think this is going to be a real danger as information and knowledge is so easy to accumulate nowadays, especially just the access of information, how much free information there is out there. And I saw this a lot in my time with college students. And I think Tim Elmore has coined that phrase, like artificial maturity, that the younger generation right now, they can have what what seems to be artificial maturity. So you can sit down with a young leader and have some conversations with them. They know so much. They have had access to so much information that it comes across really impressive. You're like, man, when I was 19, I couldn't talk that way. When I was 22, I couldn't talk that way. I didn't know nearly as much. But then the more you get to know them, you realize, hey, that there, there's not a life experience there that that has brought about that maturity. So I think this is just going to continue to be a problem mm-hmm. as information is so easily accessible. Well, it's easy to check the box, right? You've read that book, you've performed well on the test, you start to think, hey, that's the measure of maturity. You know, personal self-discipline for me, I, I try never to leave time in God's word without stopping and saying, hey, so what does this mean? What's the so what for me? Blake Holmes, what does God want you to do with this? So before I teach, before I walk away from my time with the Lord, if I have a great new insight or I've learned something, I don't want to stop there. I want to just say, hey, what's my response to this? So that's just my my own personal discipline. I, I always want to write down at least a sentence of application or some sort of next step in my own personal walk. So you're learning all the time. You've got God's word. Um, and I think it's just, that's really great. Uh, what's the so what there? What am I going to do? What's Blake going to do? Uh, how about when you read books or you listen to other content, articles, anything that helps someone uh, be mature, not just um, more knowledgeable? Yeah, John, I appreciate you asking that. Um, not just with books I read. I think I, I do this as well. If I'm meditating through a passage of scriptures, I just ask others into the conversation. So I might read something, something that's new to me, or maybe even something that's familiar. And I just go, hey, what do y'all think about this? And just to process out loud. And that's a way to get me to begin to think about the implications, not just the what does it mean, but the so what and how it applies in other people's lives, how they flesh that out. That's something that's helpful for me. And it helps make it memorable for me as well, because I'm having to restate what it is I'm learning. So if I can communicate what it is I've read, I'm learning and I'm also inviting other people into it and to think critically. So So if somebody's driving around listening right now and they are responsible for leading some young leaders, 
What are ways as leaders we can help people grow in maturity, not just in knowledge? Do you have some thoughts on that? Always explain the why. All, always drive for the why. Hey, gang, we're not just learning Second Samuel so you can understand the Davidic covenant. <laughs> Let's talk about the why. Let's talk about um, the, the why behind Bible study, the why behind this particular passage. It's so easy just to focus on the what. What does this mean? What does this mean? Interpret this passage. But to stop and think about um, the uh, next step in your own personal life. That's good. That, I was thinking too, to that question, Adam, I think sharing your failures, if you've got young leaders, I'm not just trying to, there's a tendency is I want to impress these guys and show them how much uh, I know. Show them your journey. Show them the mistakes that you made. Uh, I think a lot of times maturity and wisdom comes with mistakes and you can pay for it yourself or you can get these free lessons uh, from leaders who've gone uh, before you and uh, you, don't, you don't want them to, uh, to think that the game is is more and more knowledge, um, but um, help them understand a big part of the, what's going on here is just our maturity, and we learn from mistakes, and you can learn from mine. Uh, and modeling that, I think, is really helpful to young leaders. That's great. All right, so the first one was confusing knowledge with maturity. Let's move on to the next one, Blake. You talk about confusing size with success. What do you mean by that? Well, this is the one that's probably the most common, right? Is we think that because we drew a large crowd that it was successful, or if very few people showed up that somehow we failed. And that's always kind of the barometer. Hey, were a lot of people there? Um, think about it in your church if that's the first question that's asked. Hey, how many people showed up? And I just don't think that's the right question to ask. I, I've always appreciated what Todd has said as he's led our staff. He said all the time, he said, hey, we measure our success by our ability to be and make disciples. So um, that's just a really, that's something that's easy to say, right? But in reality, uh, is that something we practice? And if the leading question after every ministry event is, well, how many people were there? How big was it? Um, then, I, I, then I think that's a, that's a problem. So coming, for myself, coming out of seminary or starting within a, within a church, I was always thinking, man, I hope we can draw a huge crowd. I hope we could draw a crowd. And yeah, I understand the desire. We want to reach more people. We want to influence people. But I think the mistake that's made there is that that doesn't mean that you did what the Lord was asking you to do. So um, we have a ministry here called um, Great Questions. I don't know if it's ever had more than a couple of dozen people that show up every week to that, but it's one of the ministries I'm most excited about people who don't know the Lord, who walk into our church on a regular basis to come and just explore the Christian faith, to know that they're going to be able to ask questions, any single question they want. They're going to be loved. They're going to be well-received. They can express their doubts and they walk out and they go, man, somebody sat there with me and answered my questions and respected me and loved me and um, helped me process what it is I believe and why. Uh, man, if, if people can walk away and there's one or two people there, that's a win. And so um, I, I think this is just an easy one. We just think bigger is better. And the goal is not to be big, it's to be biblical. So good. I met a pastor at the end of uh, our church leaders conference this year, uh, last year. And I, I just left that conversation and I just, 
the tears probably were just right there in the corner of my eyes. And I just want to be like that guy. And when I was young, I wanted to be like the guy with a massive platform, you know, the book deal, um, the TV radio show. And uh, the older I get, hopefully, um, the more I'm, my heart is aligning with the, the heart of Christ. When I meet a guy like that, I go, that, that is success. And that is faithfulness. And I want more of that. Um, that's hard to have that mentality uh, when you're young. Yeah. Uh, you, you get this wrong and you're building your own platform over God's purposes. I mean, that's, that's no different than the Tower of Babel, right? What was their goal? It was to make a name for themselves. And so we just got to, that's just idolatry. It's idolatry. So uh, I, I think this is a common mistake young leaders make. And not one that we can expect young leaders to just figure out on their own. I think this is those of us that are responsible for leading younger leaders. We need to to model this for them. And so after an event is led, if you constantly went into the leader of great questions and said, how many were there? How many were there? How many were there? If you led with that question, even though your heart, you know what you're really going to get at is faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. They hear numbers, numbers, numbers. And so we have got to ask better questions with all that. Yeah. So I've been on staff here, I guess, going on 17 years. And I can honestly say in 17 years of being at Watermark, Todd Wagner has never asked me how many people were there. I have never been asked that question. So that's to your point, Adam, uh, it's a brilliant leadership move if that's not your first question uh, because whatever you measure is what people will try to attain and they will. Um, that's where they'll put their energy into and you start doing really crazy things to get more and more people there that may not be, to Blake's point, uh, biblical. And um, that's, that's a pro tip. That's really good. That's good. All right, well, confusing knowledge with maturity was the first mistake. Second one was confusing size with success. Third one, as we keep moving here, is confusing giftedness with preparedness. So what do you mean by that, Blake? Well, this is, this is one I see often. And what I mean by this is, you think about it, there's a lot of gifted people who are running around our churches who they want to serve the Lord and have all the best intentions in the world. But what happens is, is they get busy and they're uh, or easily distracted. And so they stop preparing And they just kind of, it's the classic guy who just kind of wings it. You know, think about the athlete who uh, maybe the, John, I imagine you're a pretty successful football player in high school, right? And I think you had a little college experience. But what happens is in high school, I imagine you just threw guys around because of sheer giftedness and size and strength. And then you end up starting to play college football. If you don't do the hard work and discipline yourself, um, you're going to get beat because everybody else playing college football, they're gifted as well, and they're working hard, and they've prepared. So if you don't prepare, you're going to get beat. And so these are the guys who wing it, they, and they, they confuse giftedness with preparedness, and those are two very, very different things. So um, there's a lot of guys who are gifted in high school football, but if they don't put in the time, they don't prepare, it's going to be exposed. So. John, when he was talking about your high school, like you were just nodding emphatically, <laughs> just going, not. yeah, it was there amazing. Is no- <laughs> <laughs> that did not happen. Um, that's a, it's a great, it's a great way to think about it. Blake, I think by preparedness, it's not just um, doing all the hard work and open up the commentaries and making sure you understand it, but it's also actually actually applying it sure. and making sure we live out our own our own messages. And sometimes we forget that we forget that when we're young, we forget that now. Um, but to a young leader, make sure you're actually doing the things you're going to call other people uh, to uh, out of your own giftedness. Great point. So the way I try to explain that to folks is, I think there's a huge difference between giving a message and 
in giving a talk. I think we've talked about this before. Um, I think just on giftedness and experience and having maybe studied the passage before and familiarity, I can get up there and kind of wing it, right? And um, and I think people are going to respond. But I know in my heart the difference between when I've given a talk, something I've, I've just got to get up there to kind of check the box, and I'm giving a message. Man, I've sat before the Lord. I've prayed. I've considered what does this mean for my own personal life. I'm, I'm speaking out of um, what the Lord has taught me and how he's challenged me. That's a whole, whole other uh, motivation in a talk. And so we, we have a um, kind of twice a year, a fun little experience for our fellows and residents of the Watermark Institute. And it's called uh, Stand and Deliver. Basically what it is, twice a year, they, they stand and deliver. It's oral exams. They come for an hour and they um, are not tested with pen and paper. They're tested like they are in ministry where they're asked tough questions and they have to be able to articulate what it is they've learned. And um, one of the more gifted residents we've ever had come through here, a guy who just, his resume was impressive, a lot of uh, experience. People had a lot of respect for him. But I just got the sense that this guy had... He had relied on giftedness over preparedness for a really long time. And I had actually told him that. I said, hey, man, the, the Lord's hands on you. He's gifted you. You're a 10-talent guy, but uh, this program is going to catch up to you and it's going to expose you. You can't just wing this, so make sure you do the hard work. So he shows up to his stand and deliver, and I, I ask him some um, pretty tough questions. And uh, he really struggled so about 30 minutes through or halfway through, I just stopped him and go, hey, how do you think you're doing right now? And he goes, I don't get the sense I'm doing real well. And I said, that's okay. I said, why don't you do this? Why don't you just, let's push pause. And why don't you sit in the back and I'm going to let you listen to the next couple of people that come in for their stand and deliver. And so uh, it, it was really an eye-opening moment because the next person who came in, I mean, he crushed it. I mean, he was answering questions in a way which I was convinced, I don't think I could do as good a job as this guy's doing. It was unbelievable. (laughs) And I just looked back at the resident who was winging it and his head was just, he was just looking down the floor, just shaking his head like, oh, I was not ready. And so I just said to him, hey man, I'm going to ask you again, how how do you feel like you did? He goes, I just... I wasn't ready. So now this resident, maybe of all of the residents who've graduated from our program, has more influence and more ministry responsibility than any of our residents. He's come back and spoken before. I've had him uh, share things he's learned. And what he always leads with is that moment when he says, hey, I remember my stand and deliver. I was winging it. I didn't do the hard work. I'd always just gotten by. I'd relied on my woo and my personality and it caught up with me and I've never forgotten that lesson. And so this is just one I see really gifted guys uh, make the mistake. They just rely on that gifting or those experiences of that charming personality and they're not prepared. And so if a young leader is listening and they see somebody in their life, another leader that they're really impressed by, and they want us, you know, the uh, the adage of thinking that that person is just gifted. What we need to remind ourselves of is there's probably a tremendous amount of hard work that is behind that, that it's not just, they didn't just wake up one day and have the ability to communicate that way or to love somebody that way or to to master God's word that way. They put in, they, there was a lonely discipline, as some would say, behind all of that. And I think as older leaders, we need to not be afraid to talk about how much work 
we put into things that we get praised for our giftedness on. So Adam, just to hmm. compliment you, when you communicate, you have a, a really great ability to take complex truths and say them in clear, simple statements that are memorable. And people walk away from when you teach and they're going, man, that was just clear. I've got it. And it just seems so simple. And my response always is, that's because he worked really, really hard. (laughs) And so it seems simple, but that takes work and effort. And um, I think sometimes people maybe uh, just underestimate how much time it takes to create a message that's memorable. Yeah, I think think because that's the um, observable part. Is the actual delivery? Uh, you know, in this in this instance, we're talking about uh, messages. But you know, Adam, you said you know, pastoral situations, all, all those apply. Uh, that's the observable part. And so, a young leader really doesn't know uh, about all the work that went in there. A young leaders watching Adam, who spoke a couple weeks uh, ago, and it was it was crystal clear. And thought, man, I want to do that. You know, I've got the gift of woo. I, I'm good in front of a microphone. Here, here, here I go. But. They are replicating what they observed in Adam, but uh, I think Adam, to your question, you know, earlier is how do you help young leaders? Uh, you help them know that. Yeah. Um, you you help them know that you know for every uh, few minutes of clarity uh, meant a, a long, maybe an hour of really hard perspiration. Um, and guys, if you want this, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to put that uh, into practice. Because yeah, the Christian thing to say is to to put on the fake humility and just go, oh, God's good. Right, like God's good and great, and that just leaves a young leader with nothing to work that with. That is not helpful. At not that. at all. Not helpful. It sounds incredibly spiritual, but not helpful. Yeah. So just think about this: if you confuse giftedness with preparedness, what what happens if you get this wrong? Uh, I, I think you, you stop listening to the Lord. Uh, you operate on your own strength and abilities. Your ministry becomes personality driven. Right. It, it starts becoming a self serving ministry. It, it, this is. This is not without consequence if, you, if you're just winging it, going from one thing to the other, and you're not attending to what the Lord's trying to teach you and preparing and working hard. So, and that's not just in preparing messages, but in all aspects of ministry. Great. All right, so confusing knowledge with maturity, confusing size with success, confusing giftedness with preparedness. Let's move on to number four is confusing position with influence. Man, so this one is really important because our we want to seek title. We like titles. You know, people like titles. And um and so sometimes I think really average leaders <laughs> they wait until they have the title. They think, "Oh, well, when I have the title, I'll start to to be influential. So they're looking for a position and what they don't recognize is, hey, you don't have to have a title. You don't need to wait in order to influence people uh, and to further God's kingdom. Don't wait for the title. Don't wait for the position. Man, go live out what it is that um, you are maybe seeking in a title. You want to go be the outreach pastor? Well, you're going to be a terrible outreach pastor, you're going to be a terrible outreach pastor if you're not commonly sharing your faith and engaging people with what it means to have a, a right relationship with the Lord. Um, you need to be out there doing it. Go go be the best outreach pastor there is right now and practice evangelism and outreach in your own personal life. Don't don't wait for the position. It's good. Yeah, influence, it is um, 
often we tie it to a position. I had a, I had a friend recently who's you know uh, sold his company and just talked about the difference in the relationship that he had with uh, with his employees um, after he wasn't their boss anymore, after he wasn't uh, signing their check. And it was he said it was really eye opening. I, I thought um, these people looked to me, um, hung on my every word. In reality, I was just paying their paycheck, and so I. Uh, I had a false sense of influence uh, that I hadn't earned. And conversely, um, I'm thinking about one of the guys on our staff. You know, we don't talk about org charts, but I'm, if I'm doing the math right, he was like on the fifth rung of our org chart if we had that. And yet, uh, in some of the meetings we've been in, he like his ideas were fantastic. Uh, his example uh, was to be followed. And his work ethic was un- unmatched. His own, like every time he'd walk into a meeting and you know any kind of spiritual conversation, his own like fresh insights uh, stood out above everyone else. And his influence, he, I, I think you could argue, uh, was even greater than people who had other uh, other positions. And so he ended up being elevated. Uh, he now has positions that probably match the influence. But all that to say that that was not his influence was not contingent upon uh, his title or his position. Now, oftentimes I do think your position or your title will catch up eventually. There's kind of in God's economy in, in any, any place, there's a bit of a lag, uh, but um, you don't have to have a position to have influence. And sometimes even it gives you a false sense of how much influence you really have when you do have a, a position. That's exactly right. Which for a young leader, the best way, when you don't have the authority, the best way to have influence is just through your attitude. Right. If you are just excited about what's going on, you're excited about what your boss is excited about, you are nodding your head yes to, hey, can we do this? Yes, we can do that. I bet we can make it better. I mean, you will, it, it is, it's uncanny how many great people that are, are people of influence really also have a great attitude, which is the one thing you control. So a, a young leader can have a lot of influence by just having a great attitude. Being fully engaged. Uh, there's one gal on my team, I, I mean, I'll never forget, she's, is helpful to me as anybody I've ever worked with. And she regularly came to me and said, hey, I mean, at the end of the day, she comes to me, hey, is there anything I can do to help you? Is there anything I can take off your plate? Just a, how can I help? How can I add value is what she was asking. And she continually just had a posture of, I'm here to serve. What, what can I do to serve? And she didn't do it with this kind of obligatory, I know I'm supposed to ask this question. She did it with joy. She did it with, uh, as you said, Adam, I was fully convinced. She's sincere. She just wants to help. And um, so she just came with that sense of humility and um, and, a, and a positive attitude. I remember, you know, I don't even know what your title was, but you have always been super, super helpful to our communicators. Um, so both in the before and after. So if you got wind that somebody was working on something you might shoot them something or are you working on that passage? Here's how I outline it. Or here's a thought, here's an illustration, here's a turn, uh, all those kind of things, which, which wasn't even really your job. You were just off the charts helpful. And you, you, what was going on is you were really influencing the way several guys were communicating uh, around here. So now that's actually part of your job. Yeah. And I was in, uh, you know, we're in the campus pastors meeting um, this week and you walked in and you said, Hey guys, here's what, here's my ideas for, sermon series for the next um, uh, the next year and they were all just fantastic and uh, you, you now have that position but I think you really had the influence Adam because of your attitude because of the value you were adding the way you served other people um, your, your just position your title your um, you know whatever it says outside your door uh, caught up to the influence that you had uh, had because of your attitude and because of the way you served 
I love the way this podcast is going, guys. This is, uh, this is uh, really encouraging me. Maybe my fav- favorite episode so far. <laughs> Blake, you had more? Yeah, I would just add, hey, this influences how we hire. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, I've sat in rooms with you guys before. We've had positions that are open, needs within our church. And the question always is, man, who's already doing this in our church? And so um, we're not the people we want to go to and go, hey, have you ever thought about starting this or could you think about doing this? This influences the way we hire. And you guys have been a part of these conversations before. Who's already doing this? So we think of the guys who are the best at that in our church. We go, let's ask them to come on staff. I mean, I think about Bobby Crotty and the way in which guys practice in law for years, right? And when I'm starting the equipping ministry and Todd looks at me and goes, man, who's, the, who's your number one volunteer? Who's helping you get things done? Who's influential, who's already living out those principles? Who's the first that comes to your mind? I'm like, Bobby Crotty. And so, because uh, Bobby wasn't waiting for a position. Yeah. And, I, and the last thing I'd just say, hey man, you get this wrong and I think you lose credibility with people and you lose out on the opportunities to lead. That's great. All right, so confusing knowledge with maturity, confusing size with success, confusing giftedness with preparedness, confusing position with influence. Now let's go through this last one, Blake, confusing programs with discipleship. Yeah, this is one. So my role at Watermark since really the beginning is I've had the opportunity to lead in our equipping ministries. So this one's really important to me because uh, I see this often where people assume that it's a particular program or class or curriculum, and that's discipleship. And it may be the program or the class or the curriculum that had a huge impact on their life or influenced them. And so they are, I mean, they're excited. They want to go tell everybody, hey, you got to take this class. You got to go through this program. But it's not the program, okay? Programs are can't confuse with discipleship. There's, there's no one program, one size fits all, and um, that is a- appropriate for everybody. Everybody should go through this program. That's just, it may be helpful for you, but that may not necessarily be the right next step for somebody else. Uh, the, also, the other problem is when you confuse programs with discipleship is you, you make the false assumption that you can graduate. Hey, once you finish this class, then somehow you've arrived. But we all know that and you never uh, arrive, right? You never get to this point and go, I've got that, right? Um, but we're con- continually pursuing the Lord and taking the next step to follow him and walk with him in obedience. And so um, as long as he has us here on this earth, we, we, we don't get to graduate. I'm thinking about, you know, so we do have programs that other churches use, and it's really interesting to watch the the different ways people evaluate those. One of the things that Todd says is that uh, small-minded leaders um, think programs, you know, and big-minded leaders think values. And some people will see the programs that we have and go, these would fit well within the values that we have and what we're trying to call our people to. And they're just a means uh, to that. They're not, they're not the thing. And then other people think that that is the secret, the secret sauce is in, you know, these 16 chapters and these words and uh, I think it's a small-minded um, view of things and, and probably a mistake, probably that now that I'm thinking about it, some of our younger uh, church leaders that interact with us and, um, and some of the old, older, wiser guys go, oh, this, this is a tool that would be helpful, but their view of discipleship is much more robust. And so, you know, Blake, I've heard you say, like, everything is discipleship. That's right. Which is much bigger than programs. What do you, what do you mean by that? And how, can, you, can you help a, a young leader uh, understand what you mean by that? Well, I think I don't think discipleship is a, is just reduced to a program or a class um, or um, 
some sort of, of curriculum. I think you've got to remember that Christ is the one who is discipling us. Okay, so you think about our language sometimes. Oh, I'm discipling these guys. No, 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 no. We are all being discipled by Jesus Christ. Now, he may use multiple people. He may use programs and curriculums. Those are all good tools. But Jesus was discipling me even through my son's illness, through setbacks in my life. He is discipling me through the ups and downs, through my marriage, through relationships. He is... Um, conforming me more and more uh, into the image of a son. And that's, that's discipleship. I, th- I think it's a mistake to reduce discipleship to um, this one-on-one pure relationship. Hey, you're my disciple for 12 weeks. No, you're not my disciple for 12 weeks. Um, you are Jesus Christ's disciple. He's calling you to take the next step of faith and obedience with him. And if I can be help along the way, tremendous. But I'm, you're not my disciple. And programs are a great thing. Don't get me wrong. We offer a lot of great curriculum and programs, but it's a really, I do think that's narrow-minded and small-minded thinking to assume that, hey, everybody's going to go through this course and that that one curriculum or program is the right next step for someone. So what happens if, if we get this one wrong? Uh, if you get this one wrong, your ministry can all, be all about you and your program and and I think you miss out on opportunities to really disciple, lead, care for people in the way God intends for you to. You don't care for the whole person. What ends up happening is is it's very narrow. I mean, if I take you through Equip Disciple, which is a great program that walks you through the spiritual disciplines, Adam, but I don't, I'm not attentive to you and your marriage and how you are as a dad and work and what's going on in your own personal life and just the affections of your heart. Man, I'm missing it. And so that program could be helpful as you're looking at the spiritual disciplines, but it just it reduces discipleship um, to this very narrow it's the spiritual discipline. Yeah, which is kind of coming full circle to the very first one we had on this list with confusing knowledge with maturity. What you said was this this checking the box. Right. That it, it can be tempting. And it's great to be excited about programs. I know, John, for reengage and regen and merge and foundation groups. When these churches see these tools, they're excited. And that's great to be excited about a program. But hopefully what we're excited about is not thinking, now I don't have to disciple people or shepherd people. This curriculum is going to do it all for me. It's a, no, this is just a tool to get you involved in somebody's life so that you can do the work of pastoring and shepherding. And you've got to contextualize every one of those tools. I mean, they've, they've got to be contextualized in your context, in your local church. So they're great resources and they're gifts, man. I, I love the fact that gifted writers have put together tools that I can use and we can all use and benefit from. And I've, I've been blessed by the different classes I've gone through. So they're great things, but that's not... That's not discipleship. Discipleship is much broader than that. Blake, this is an awesome list. Appreciate you coming and spending some time with us today to go through all this. John, before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts? If you are a little bit older, um, don't mistake this talk as being for uh, those who are younger than you. This was for you uh, as well as a bit of a bait and switch. It was for you. Everything that Blake said uh, applies to you. Make sure that just for yourself that uh, you're chasing uh, Maturity more than knowledge. That uh, boy, you you measure uh, success uh, by faithfulness more than size. That uh, well, you really are leaning on your preparedness more than giftedness, and you, know, you go earn influence and don't wait for uh, position. And then you understand just a ro- 
robust uh, view of discipleship and, and the whole spiritual maturity process and don't um, don't dumb it down to just uh, programs. And so that's enough for all of us to think about um, for ourselves and then those that we lead. Well, that's great. Well, if you guys have any questions or comments on today's episode, please feel free to contact us via email. We can be reached at clp at watermark.org. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you all again next time.